Let's begin now. Welcome to it. Another evening, six to nine after hours. Dusty Likens with you tonight. Chris Unicero here as well. Been a while, man. Been uh what, like two weeks? Maybe longer. I think it's three. three I think weeks. it's three. It was like I think it was like before Valentine's Day. Oh. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? Yeah, it was a good day. Okay. I was getting ready for the parade the next day. Oh, yeah. So you you went all out. You yeah, did the, you did the confetti. Did you take home the confetti and all that kind of I stuff? I did not. I'm not okay. a sentimental take home stuff from the parade type person. Okay, never would take anything home. No, I don't like even. Symbol, I don't even you take some grass. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. If, you know, whenever they eventually blow up Arrowhead and Kaufman, I'm not going to get a piece of those stadiums. <laughs> like, I'm not they, that person. You remember when they were transitioning from chairs in the stadiums and people could like buy? Yeah, you could seats? buy like yeah, yeah. I don't know why you need one of those. Some people, I mean, hey, if that's your jam, that's your jam. Not for me. I would take like a base. I think that'd be cool. Nah. Just randomly put it in the backyard. Somebody yeah, came no. over. If it was like something that was intact, that was like cool. Like you know, they're gonna sell fountain water when they blow up Kaufman. Yeah, of course they are. And, that, <laughs> well, they, and you know what they're probably gonna do is they're probably just gonna take like Aquafina or Dasani or something, just b- label it as fountain water, and then make extra money off of that because that's the smart thing to do. I wonder if that fountain lady's footprint still on the stands. When probably the, has when some probably has some DNA in there still. Mm. Unless they change, you would think they would change the water out over the years. Oh, I'm sure it happens. I hope they do. I hope they they change that water. I wonder out. if that's on like Trevor Vance's contract that he's got to. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would hope that for sanitary reasons, because we know that there is the occasion that people will fall in that it doesn't turn into a toxic waste dump. There, I still can't get over that poor lady that jumped into the the fountain. Yeah, that was hilarious. With a frozen margarita, they were not happy about that. No, nope. but it was funny. No, nope, not really. Not. I don't think anybody would be happy about that. It was funny. We were we were talking about little league events because I remember we were talking. I got knocked out once in football, and I knew after that I'd probably never play again. Like I didn't. I never knew what the smelling salt thing was. Happened to me. B team linebacker Hall McCarter Middle School eighth grade. D D coordinator calls for a Mike Blitz. I said no. He said no, man. You got to do it. We had a. We had a big daddy that was a running back in eighth grade. You know how there was always that kid that hit the growth spur before anybody yeah, else. Yeah, he was like he we had, had a, a couple. We had a couple guys like that in high school. We had a like kid that. in eighth grade with sideburns and a goatee, and I had to tackle him oh, wow. on a on a on a halfback dive up the middle and a middle linebacker blitz. And I met that train, and I'm pretty sure he was 36 and I was 12, and knocked me clean the hell out. And I never played football again. Where did you try to tackle him at? I, you know, Chris, I don't really know. It all kind of, that's, I think, the first time I've ever blacked out. I was uh, i was very skinny when I was in school. So usually mm. I was uh, tackle you at the knees or ankles type if you were way bigger than me. I think I went for the bear <laughs> hug and the crown of his helmet. Oh, under, no, no, that's a, chin, that's a mistake. Knockout city. Baby. Oh, that's a mistake. It was no. faster than John Jones's fight this Saturday. Unless you wanted them big boys. Yeah, you don't you don't tackle guys up high like that. I at went that for level. the bear hug. I thought maybe I even went for the Roman Reigns spear. And I just 
World Star Hip Hop would have been a star on that page for at least a week. When I was in high school, Josh Freeman was playing oh, at, yeah. at Grandview, and I remember saying, well, we were saying in camp. He had like red hair too in high school. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a light brown. It was like a lightish brown. It I thought he dyed it like a color. I don't remember. Because I remember that. what was it they, they used to do? Like the, it's it's a it's a real real uh, a word that they do at the beginning of the college football season where all the schools meet up. What is that called? Uh, oh, like the jamborees. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was in the jamboree. He had like red, fiery hair. Maybe, like, maybe he did. I, was I don't. Just like for a little period of time. Yeah, I do remember Josh that. Freeman. Go ahead though. But yeah, like we were talking about openly, like you know, if I'm gonna tackle this dude, <laughs> I'm just gonna like get him right at the knees, like see if I can put my shoulder pad into his knees and take him down. If not, I'm gonna grab onto his ankle and force him to drag me until they pull him down. There's yeah. no way I'm tackling him at the waist or higher because I'm gonna die. Yeah, I mean, I think my strategy was just to somehow get in the way. Like, run in front of him and then just stop, drop, and roll like I'm on fire. And then it was just, like, chop blocks all the time. Yeah. yeah I think no. I had the record for most defensive holdings. in Because uh, I would just tell my dudes, like, hey, I'll just pull this guy to the side. And you go through the middle. They're like, Dusty, they're going to call that, like, defensive holding. I was like, if they see it. And I think they saw it every time. Oh, man. Text line's waiting to know if you got the Arby's fries last night. You got them today, baby, for lunch. I said last night Arby's were the best French fries a fast food chain can offer. I know you hate that saying. I have only eaten Arby's once. I was not sober when it happened, so ah. I don't remember what they taste like. So you're not a credible source. No. Who do you think has the best fries? In McDonald's. The McDonald's. You just go with the cliche? It's great. Very, very strong French fry. Mm. It's it's been consistent for decades now. My entire life has been consistent, so I'm gonna go with McDonald's. Okay, that's fair. you just you 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 can't eat them any later than ten minutes after you get them. After ten yeah. minutes, they they start to lose their their greatness. Am I uh, am I a Richard if I'm asking for McDonald's fries to be non salted so I know those babies are piping hot when I get them? Absolutely yes. Okay. Well, at least you thought about it. Yeah, you are. That's right. Dusty, it's smoke time again. Bring the heat. Well, you got three hours, so it's it's a slow burn tonight, I hope. Somebody uh, somebody in the text line said they have a sack on Josh Freeman. You, you must be a big person if you sack Josh Freeman. Or you came around he, the blind side. He was enormous in high school. I remember my freshman year at Ruskin. Yeah. Uh, I, he played basketball, too, for Grandview. And uh, I remember standing next to him down at a, a Motel 8 in Neosho, Missouri, for a mm. basketball tournament. Middle of nowhere. And he has middle of nowhere. It's like. I think like 10, 15 minutes from Joplin. Yeah. And I remember standing next to him in the, in the, the, with their little continental breakfast, if you will. And I was like, oh my God, he is enormous. He's like, he was at that time, like six, four, maybe two forty. Like that's a D one. And that was, he was, that was his (laughs) junior year and he was enormous. I was like, that is not a per, and I didn't know he played football at the time mm-hmm. either. So when I found out he played football, I was like, "That's a person I would never want to tackle, especially playing quarterback." Was he football basketball guy or was he football track guy? Football basketball. I thought I, he played basketball. Yeah, he he played basketball. Might have he done was all three. He was one of the, I, he might have done track too, but well, I know for sh- I know either. for sure he did football basketball. He was there. He was one of their forwards. He was pretty good, but like he was not. He wasn't going to be able to play in college because he wasn't. He just the height wise. And the skill set wise, it just wasn't there. But like football, for sure. I mean, when I found out he was a quarterback, I was like, "Oh, he's going. He's going to go D one." Yeah, <laughs> six four, two forty as a junior in high school. Yeah, he's going to go D one. So he said, "Yeah, a bunch of skinny white kids." Well, 
That's what Hallmark Carter was. We were bad, man. We were not good at all. Speaking of college, you know the tournament's starting. The tournament coverage on 610 Sports Radio is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Three area locations. Find your favorite lodge at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Unicero, Dusty Likens with you. We start this night out with yesterday was the day, right? Like yesterday was kind of the eye opener for everybody. Yesterday to me, Chris, was like last season's over. Like we are officially, we've had our parade. We've had our trophies. We've had our time. We now move on. And the Chiefs create cap space. They're now eighth in the NFL with total cap space, $24 million. Some people find it annoying that the Chiefs are now uh, returning champions and they're $24 million clear of cap penalty. Um, it makes you wonder what they do with the money that they have cleared. Because to me personally, and I'll ask this question, text line 913-586-7610, do you think this Chiefs team right now could win the Super Bowl next year without your left tackle, let's say without um, Frank Clark, because we don't know. We know that they'd probably have gotten to an agreement if they would have known because we played the audio yesterday from James Palmer that he thinks Frank Clark's probably going to get a good little, you know, contract from somebody that needs some, you know, needs an edge rusher or maybe they can give an afford a Frank Clark contract where he can be, you know, the second guy to a guy who's already evidently their number one edge rusher. I think that's where Frank Clark's market is. And I think somebody's going to pay him quite respectfully for that a little bit more than the chiefs, because we said last night, Frank Clark did exactly what he was supposed to do this year. He restructured, he was productive and he helped you get another ring. That's the three leg parlay. That was the Frank Clark conversation within last year's negotiations. But I think that there's a little bit of me. And again, I don't, I don't know Brett Veach. I can't read Brett Veach. If he was at a poker table, he'd take my money in a heartbeat. I just, I don't know what he's going to do, and I'm going to be honest about it, but what I can do is assume what I think might happen. And I kind of get the feeling that Kansas City is making this move with cap space because they want this team to stay together as long as possible. I think they like what they have. I think they like what they see the future to be. And according to JPA Football on Twitter, they say the Chiefs believe Kadarius Toney will be their number one wide receiver in 2023. That's what James Palmer was quoted to say. They are also hoping to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. They want the same core group of guys they won the Super Bowl with. Tony made the play of the Super Bowl when he nearly returned a punt for a touchdown. He's been a gem for Kansas City since acquiring him from the Giants. I think Brett Veach is creating cap space right now. At least this is what it looks like. Again, free agency will start in just a few short days. But... Legereus Sneed's going to need a contract, and it's going to be a hefty one. Is he the best corner in, in football? No, he's not. We clearly know that. But he's a top corner in the NFL, and Legereus Sneed and the Kansas City Chiefs really like their relationship. Spagnola really likes that relationship. And then Chris Jones, right? Like, Chris Jones is going to get $26 million next year and then be a free agent. If Chris Jones hits the market and can negotiate with teams – it's going to get to a place where you just don't want to see it. You don't want to see the number that some teams would be like, well, we'll take him for this because we can afford it and we need that position. And the Chiefs are just going to say, sorry, man, like you're 30. But if they can get a contract going before that happens and make it somewhat happy on both sides and before Chris Jones can become that free agent, then you bring back Jones, you bring back Snead, you still have Mahomes, you still have Travis Kelsey, you have what we mentioned and Kadarius, Tony, MBS again, Sky Moore, a young receiver that's got a higher potential. And then Pacheco and McKinnon continue to do that. And you basically have the same core team. 
you just don't have a left tackle in Orlando Brown Jr., but I think that situation has already been addressed in Brett Veach's mind because I think maybe there's a chance they go find that position in the draft or they've found value. Veach has shown that he can find good offensive line talent or he's not willing to go pay for it either, right? Joe Tooney got a bunch of money. You got a draft and Creed Humphrey. You might have found the best center in football now that Jason Kelsey's either done or transitioning to be done. And then you also have Trey Smith. You probably think that Andrew Wiley's coming back, but it appears, at least as of right now, that it seems they're going to stay in-house as opposed to go to out-of-house. Or when you look at LeJerry Sneed, you look at Chris Jones, you wonder, are those two guys part of this core that Palmer and the NFL Network talks about? And then Juju's the wild card, because that's where you and I kind of had a conversation. Is Juju going to get the spoiled contract that Christian Kirk got? Jay Binkley, who you do your podcast with, which is fantastic, by the way. Congratulations to getting that started. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell the people where they can find that and everything when you come on this side of the conversation because how confident are you, Chris, that you think this team can do it again? Because this team basically did do it. Frank Clark was a big piece to the Super Bowl run, but he wasn't the biggest. But I think, what, at least from what I gather right now, Veach is saving this money because, A, they want to run it back with this team and leave no questions. And, two, it's just it seems like these guys are going to need a little bit of change, a lot more than maybe you thought you'd give them. But if you can create now, you can get those contracts established for the future. Uh, podcast is uh, Character Concerns. You can listen to it uh, everywhere that you listen to podcasts, Spotify, go. Apple. Uh, it is on all of those places. Make sure you subscribe and check it out. Me, Nick Schwartz, Jay Binkley. Uh, we go out there and uh, we hit it from all angles. We don't get to talk as much that's about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, is that what got you? Yeah, that's okay. what got me. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, okay, but yeah, it's 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 been really fun to do it. Yeah. Um, second episode just went up yesterday. Uh, we were we kind of got thrown off because of all those moves. Yeah, there was a the, the Frank yesterday. Clark news got announced while we were recording, so yeah. uh, that that changed everything. Um, as far as where this team is right now as far as like Super Bowl contention. It's hard to say cuz like at this point it is reckless to assume the Chiefs don't have a plan with their decisions right now. I'm sure yeah. they have absolutely accounted for the idea of losing Frank Clark this offseason. Um it was a little bit of a tough ass to say, "Hey, Frank, take another pay cut after we gave you a pay cut last year. You have $30 million you could be making this year. We want you to take, I don't know, I'm guessing like probably 12, maybe 15 mm-hmm. at tops, but I think probably closer to 12. So he gets a little bit above the, the cut number, which was 9 million. So I, I certainly think that that was something they planned for. And absolutely they planned for a situation where they would not keep Orlando Brown Jr. Because mm-hmm. You had to, and they showed last year they weren't willing to pay him what he wanted. And and so I I do believe that they have had a plan. I I will say this, not shocked by the Tony news. Mm -hmm. I expected that to be the case. You can kind of tell from jump that they were planning on using him as a number one at some point soon. What do you have? Five touchdowns? Uh, That's probably, that's probably pretty close to his number. And not only that, the first game that he played in, which was the Jacksonville game, yeah, they like got they immediately put him into the game. He plan. was the first play. He they was threw the, a back behind yeah. the line of scrimmage throw to him. This was a guy that they clearly were centering. 
uh, at times on their offense. And so, like in the playoffs, they didn't feature him quite as much because they needed more reliability. But I do believe with an offseason, more time, maybe they do camp pad again this spring and he flies out to Texas and gets some chemistry there with Mahomes. Maybe that helps them out. Um, and certainly additions to be made, free agency and in the draft. I, I think that at this point now, if you count the Chiefs out, I think you are setting yourself up to fail. And teams did it. People did it a year ago. They counted the Chiefs out after the Tyreek Hill trade. And we had question marks here as fans. Mm -hmm. But, like, at this point now, considering the fact that the Chiefs got so much production out of their rookie class, I think you'd be really, really setting yourself up to look like a fool if they go out there, have another strong draft, probably not as good as the one they had last year, handle free agency well, and then get some good enough pieces at left tackle, at, at edge rusher, at receiver, to where they can they can push for another run again because they still have the core group that helped this team win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Kadarius Tony had 14 for 171, two touchdowns, receiving-wise. Yeah. And then he had, a, that was a good for a 12.2 average. So 14 for 171, that's the writing on the wall that you need to see. I mean, 12.2. Travis Kelsey was the same one. Like he averaged 12.2, very top of the line when it comes to this team. Obviously, the guy that averaged the most was MVS just because of his chunk of yardage. He averaged 16.4 yards uh, per reception, whereas Kelsey and Tony averaged 12.2, was just second on the team. So I think when you got Canarius Tony and you've got the team contract, the friendly, it's a rookie contract deal. You got three more years. After this year of uh, team contract, again, Chris Unicero, Dusty Likens with you. The quarterback carousel continued today. Another landing spot for another quarterback. Money's being paid. What it means for Lamar Jackson. That's a situation that seems a little bit weird. We talk about why Lamar Jackson's situation seems odd. What's going on? This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. After hours, Dusty Likens, Chris Unicero, 8 o'clock random question uh, coming tonight. Last night was, last night's question was, what's the most overhyped thing you've ever experienced? I was really afraid Disney World was going to come up on the text line a ton, and it didn't. But the number one thing was Whataburger. I like Whataburger. I've never had it. I like it. I it's not my my favorite, but it's really good. I'll I'll take In and Out over Whataburger. In and Out is really strong. The yep. fries suck, but the burger is great. Never had either one of them. We'll get there one day, I think. Um, somebody from the text line for the eight one six. Why would you count on Tony to be your wide receiver number one? He can't show that he stayed healthy. He can't be your number one yet. Well, um, I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna clearly say that. I'm not going to go against what Andy Reid and Brett Veach are thinking. And according to James Palmer, the Chiefs believe Kadarius Tony will be their wide receiver one in 2023. So, And you could kind of see it based on how they use him because they have manufactured. They manufacture more touches for him than they do for McColl. Mm -hmm. And McColl's been on this team for years, and they were manufacturing more touches in the passing game for Kadarius than they were for McColl. McColl was like the jet sweep guy. They were doing way more with Kadarius. So they clearly think he's got a lot of potential, even if he does have some injury issues right now. Are they bringing McColl back next year? I I think 
someone is going to convince themselves that this guy could be a number one and they're going to pay him probably like a, like a two year deal. That's going to be worth a little bit like similar, maybe similar to what, what MVS got from the chiefs last off season. I could see him getting that kind of contract and then end up being what MVS was for us this past season, which is a guy with a lot of potential, but just doesn't show it on the field. Cause he makes too many mistakes, man. He was, he was really good in that AFC championship. He was. Game. And if he'd have done that all year only long option, Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you had Marcus Kemp out here catching passes Oof. in the second half, that's how you knew they had it bad. That's when you know that they, all they needed was 15 and they were going to be just fine. Um, the quarterback circle, uh, it gets formed day by day by day. Geno Smith, Derek Carr yesterday. Daniel Jones gets paid today. You obviously heard it. What was it? The four years, 140. Four years, 100. Uh, it was 100. 60, 160 with 40 like, year. with, I think like 50 plus million in, in, in possible incentives. Know it's ridiculous. Role. You know, your role and, and you shut your mouth. You might get paid. You won't have to be called a jabroni. Um, and then the thing that happened today was that Lamar Jackson situation and the Aaron Rodgers situation. And as more and more of these quarterbacks tend to find a home, other quarterbacks, it starts to kind of become process of elimination. And as soon as Lamar Jackson is tagged but can negotiate, it went completely south. And it was kind of, at least to me, a little like, okay, well, that's weird. Okay, so Atlanta's not pursuing him, which I was like, okay, well, Atlanta's just, I don't know what they're doing, you know, whatever. Maybe they just, they're not interested. It's, it's fine. There'll be other teams. And then it just kind of started hitting. And it was like, this team's not, this team's not. And it was all the teams that blowhards like myself and others have come on this radio station and said, oh man, you know, Miami will be interested. And, and this guy, this team will be interested. And maybe, you know, and, and, and it comes out, it's Miami's not interested. Vegas is not interested, you know, Atlanta's not interested. Washington's not interested. And you just kind of think to yourself, is there something that maybe we're not seeing from the naked eye with Lamar Jackson? Or is there an obvious narrative as to why it isn't Lamar's track that we thought we'd see? Because it's not like there's a ton of talented free agent quarterbacks in this draft or in this, uh, in this season. And then you look at Lamar Jackson's situation, and this again is according to uh, Dave Klug on in a, on Twitter. He's, he's quoted as saying, "This tag on Lamar Jackson is the smart thing to do, but the team is doing him dirty." He then goes on to say, "If Lamar gets an offer from a team he wants to play for, the Ravens say, too bad, you're coming back to Baltimore." Or we're not matching that offer, and we're taking two firsts. Good luck. He continues to say it's a tough situation for Lamar Jackson. He's either playing for the Ravens on a deal that they wouldn't offer him, or he's fighting an uphill battle on a team with a loaded quarterback contract and no firsts. From a business standpoint, I get it. From a humanity standpoint, though, tough. And then somebody said... um, what if Dan Snyder comes out and gives him a massive contract and then fully guarantees it, sells the team, and breaks the league even more? 
Lamar Jackson is a very interesting story. And then the, we'll get back to Lamar. But then the Aaron Rodgers saga is he's flying in the New York jet. He's meeting with the owner. It's basically like he's getting smooshed. Hey, Aaron, like, what do you really want outside of a contract? Like, do you want real estate? Do you want a suite? Do you want this in your contract? You know that's what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. You know that's what's happening. And you know the guys that are talking to him are like, man, this guy's really out there. Like, he wants these things that we've never heard of. And you kind of get the feeling that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be going to the New York Jets. In fact, their odds to win the entire thing next year jumped today, which is kind of interesting. But to go back to the Lamar Jackson um when you go back to the Lamar Jackson situation, you know, the one thing that stands out, Chris, is that he doesn't have an agent. And just th- terrible. It's an awful decision. And I thought the analogy you used earlier about, you know, defending yourself in the court of law kind of fits to this because, you know, it's like, well, first things first, what, why don't you have an agent? Second off, like, what do you know about the contract situation other than the fact that, you want fully guaranteed. You're using the Deshaun Watson contract to kind of debunk everybody's theory. Lamar Jackson's a very interesting situation in the NFL when it comes to a free agent, high profile player, like one Lamar Jackson. Here's my issue with this. And I don't agree with the, whoever it was that, that said that about this kind of being uh, kind of a, a cheap Smart, move by dirty. the, by the Ravens. I don't think it's dirty at all. Because you got to look at it this way. And and you brought up a, a point about the agent that I think can't be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson has complicated this whole situation because he refuses to hire a professional to take care of this. He's doing it himself. And, and you know, we talked about this before the show, and I, I said, like, this is like defending yourself in court without a lawyer. It is a terrible move. Anybody who works in the field would advise you not to do it because most people are not qualified to do it properly and you're just setting yourself up in a, in a worse situation. I feel like that's the biggest reason why none of these teams want to mess with them. If I was a general manager mm-hmm. and I was looking to acquire a quarterback, I damn sure wouldn't go for the guy who, A, has gotten hurt the last two seasons and has missed five-plus games due to injury. And I also sure as hell would not go after that guy if he did not have an agent. Because at that point, you're trying to do business with someone that doesn't know the business. Right. And at that point, you're hindering this whole process. If he had an agent, they probably would have been got a deal done two years ago when he was first eligible to get it. But because of the fact that I guess he feels like he can trust those around him who are mm-hmm. giving him advice, or maybe he feels like he himself knows enough and feels like, hey, I, I, I feel like I'm worth this much money. You got to give it to me. Uh, that's just not the smart thing to do. It's the same thing I said about Orlando Brown Jr. a year ago when we found out he didn't have an agent. And, and his then, agent was the first time yeah, ever. Yeah, and then he hired an agent. Yeah. And he did. He had never ever had a, had a had a client in the NFL, which again is a bad move. That's like you are on trial for murder and you go get uh, one of those injury attorneys that we see on TV all the time. Mm. It's a terrible move. And so I just feel like in this situation because of the fact that he doesn't have someone who knows what they're doing in the driver's seat, controlling the negotiations from his side, he's setting himself up to fail. 
This is all on him. So I, I can't look at this and be like, oh, the Ravens are doing him dirty. The Ravens are trying to protect themselves. Right. Because you've got a running quarterback who's gotten hurt the last two years and has not shown the progress as a passer that you would like, and you've built your team around him now. So like the Ravens really don't have a choice. They, the only reason why they put this non-exclusive franchise tag on him is so they could teach him a lesson and be like, hey, People don't want you the way you think they do. Yeah. You don't got the leverage that you think you got. So you either got to take what we give you or you're just going to be a free agent and then you're just not going to get any money because you're going to get hurt again. So I, I think this is a situation where the, I, I, I very much – I can understand Lamar wanting to get the most money because I always support players getting the most money. But get you a professional that knows what they're doing. Don't do this. Don't Don't – listen to your your uncle or whatever that thinks he knows business or whatever because he used to be a manager at a car wash or something 20 years ago. Don't listen to your family members that never been in this business. Get you someone whose job is to do this because then you're setting yourself up for success. And I don't think he's doing that right now. A lot of people think that maybe the injury is the scare because the unfortunate part about this is that the NFL is starting to get around longer and longer and longer where quarterbacks or running backs or people that are, you know, once really, really good, then show, you know, a couple back-to-back years where injuries were a little different. You know, there was, you know, some issues where I think Lamar Jackson was like sick every other day. That was also like kind of during the COVID season. Yeah, during the COVID year. Yeah, yeah. he was just constantly sick. And then this year he got injured and a lot of people were like, well, how severely hurt was he or was he hurt? And yet he was like, well, I'm not trying to ruin my career and I'm trying to get paid because the text not even says it, you know, like, also think about one more bad year for Lamar Jackson. If Baltimore doesn't put a solid offensive line around him, one more injury screws him out of a contract for, for his future. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too is that we know the narrative and we know the cliche of what Lamar Jackson's style of quarterback play is not built for a long time. It's, you know, flash in the pan type of cliches, but again, you know, bet on yourself. High risk, high reward, I guess is, is the way that we can go with that. If we're, if we're continuing down the train of cliches, um, a tarnished legacy. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but that's the way it's going to be described. When we come back here on after hours on six ten sports radio, talking about this quarterback. You're listening to after hours with dusty Likens on six ten sports radio and the odyssey app brought to you by twin peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Tournament coverage on 610 Sports Radio brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Three area locations. Find your favorite lodge at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. This is After Hours with Dusty Likens, Chris Unicero tonight on a, well, um, quite honestly, a disgusting Tuesday night. This is that this is that March weather we've been waiting to see. It was nice this morning, Ooh. and then like all of a sudden in the afternoon it got gray and started Cold. raining, and yeah, not fun. No, 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 no. Had a great week last week. Man, great it was weekend. Awesome. It was awesome. a great weekend, and I, then all of a sudden we just get this. I golf Saturday, golf Monday, but I think we just have like this week, and then I think we're it's like fifties next week. Yeah, we getting it back. Rain tomorrow, forty four. Rain Thursday, forty four. Friday, no rain. Saturday, rain, 44. Sunday, 50. Monday, 50. Tuesday, 50. 50, 50. See, we just got to get through these next six days, and then we're good. And we got daylight savings time starting on Sunday, which I am a big fan of. Because you get... You lose the hours. We lose. I, I don't. I don't sleep that much anyway. Mm. But we get more daylight in the evening, so that's great for me. Mm. 
So this is interesting. Via JPA Football on Twitter, rumors are the Ravens and the Chiefs really like free agent wide receiver Alan Lazard. Yeah. Now this is from Matthew Perry, with one source even hearing this phrase on the free agent receiver, quote, my nipples are hard for Alan Lazard. I saw. I think I saw a sign like that or something like that. I forgot where I saw it. I repeat the quote. We talked about that yesterday on, before the podcast. We did not say that on the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, it was it was a quote that was said in the production room over there. Okay. Uh, before we started recording. Rumors: The Ravens and Chiefs really like free agent receiver Alan Lazard per Matthew Barry, with one source even hearing the phrase on free agent receiver quote, "My nipples are hard for Alan Lazard." If he's in Kansas City, that will be the shirt that I go to Charlie Hustle and request. 100% not going to happen. No. Somebody will do it, but it will be Charlie Hustle. Somebody responds to me on Twitter, at John Gearhards. Surely this isn't the case, but just imagine Coach Reed tossing that line out there at the combine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I, I know that uh, uh, MVS was trying to recruit him. There was like... <laughs> I don't know if he put it out on Twitter or like it was just someone reporting that that MVS was trying to recruit him there since they used to be teammates in Green Bay. So yeah. wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I wouldn't be super excited about it. I mean, he's basically just a slower MVS. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if I'm excited about a six five guy who's basically like a mid four five forty time and Never really broke out with the Packers, but hey, you know, maybe better quarterback, maybe things change around, but he's not going to get, he's again, he's not going to be the focus of the offense. So he's probably just going to be what he was in Green Bay. So Alan Lazard is going to be 28 years old. Uh, He's never had more than 800 yards in a season, right? This past season was his best season. He had 788, hit a hundred targets and 60 receptions. This was the year he was supposed. He was if he was going to break out. Oh, this yeah. was the year to do it because Devonte left. Yeah, and he Devante was the one left. with the most chemistry with Aaron. Exactly. Yeah. He had been there the longest, and instead he got passed up by Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So yeah, which Watson's a stud. Which if you yeah, ever want to yeah. have a ten minute conversation with Binkley, just a random. Oh, one, he loves that dude. Mention Christian Watson. He loves that dude, and he'll he be. Like, ah. That's who I had the Chiefs getting last that year. That was his guy yeah. last. It was him and Sky Moore. Those those were two guys that he was like, yeah, it's one of those two guys. Yeah, <laughs> he was like so hellbent that he was like, told you. He's like, could you imagine that guy, Dust Man, with Pat Mahomes? Yeah, I'm like, he put anybody him. with Patrick Mahomes. Hell, Albert Wilson had ten for one forty three in a game with Patrick Mahomes. He did. Mahomes' first start. Yeah, Albert Wilson looked like a number one, and then he, and then he got, got little, paid. He got a little money from the Dolphins. And then went straight to the milk cart. <laughs> Nothing. He was he was right back where he was when he went to when he yeah. went to Miami. But Alan Lazard last year, 788, averaged 13.1, had six touchdowns, though, on 60 receptions. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that'd be like an option if maybe Juju was gone. I could still see them bringing him in, and he gets, like, the Justin Watson-type type mm-hmm. catches. Uh, maybe not down the field, but he'll be the more of a, a safety net-type guy. I, I just don't think that – like, he doesn't do it for me. He's not right. that guy. 816, douchey, and Gold talked about that making that shirt earlier today. That's a tough name for Cody. Um, 
Hate. It's always one of the two that people hate. They don't like both of them. Yeah. It's either they hate Cody or they hate Gold. That's I, like when we were at the beer tasting mm-hmm. at, the, at the at the beer release uh, back in January. Yeah, I all if anybody that brought up their show hated one of the two. Mm. I feel bad. I'm sorry that I didn't listen to the show earlier and, and knew that they had that conversation. I apologize. I wasn't listening from 10 to 2 today. Some of us have other jobs. Um, we got to make money elsewhere. You know what I mean? Are the Chiefs just happy with Green Bay's Tier 3 wide receivers? I mean, a Tier 3 in Green Bay is like a Tier 2 in Kansas City with quarterbacks. I mean, I get it. Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP, and yes, Lazard is not. I'm just – I saw it on Twitter – I thought it was kind of funny. He'd be Seemed more reliable like a, than McColl. Cause like McColl is not someone that you could really rely on, on a basic route running just, standpoint. Right. And it's weird too. Cause McColl had like a flash this year where I was he like, did. okay. I was like, this is, this is the Hardman we were supposed to get. This is the, mm-hmm. you know, could any time have three touchdowns Yeah, in a game could be that guy that could get on a, on a heater. And it's like, all right, like, McCole Hartman always gave me those vibes of like Jamal versus the Raiders where it was just like, this guy works against certain teams where they just don't have an answer. And it's not that he's like, you know, Cooper cup out here, you know, hosing guys on routes with, with brilliant footwork and, and speed tendencies. It was just like Andy Reid had like a couple of plays. Like you play those people in Madden where you're like, every time I play Dave, I know he can't stop four verticals. And you're just like, okay, well, like, I, I'm just going to use this player against that, switch out, you know, call an audible, and I'm just going to do that. But Cole Hardman was that showing that at least. And then the, like the abdomen hernia thing kind of changed everything. Yeah. And it was just a funky injury that just kind of stalled his season. So, unfortunately, uh, things didn't go the way they probably could have gone for McCall Hardman. Because I think if that happens all year, there's no way the Chiefs can bring him back. Because then somebody's going to be like, not only are we going to take him out of Kansas City, we're going to sign him because we don't want them to have him, and we'll make that work here. Because if it works there, it should probably work here, which seems to be the case, but it never really is. If he would have had a good year, I think they probably could have decided to keep him above Juju. Maybe, yeah. Cause Just because he's a little bit younger. Young. He's a bit younger, and he fits into what they like to do. And they're not that distant in age. No. What's McColl? 25 and Juju's 26, 24, 25. Yeah. And Juju's like 26, 27. Yeah. So they're not that far apart, but he's a little bit younger. And so he's faster. He's, he's faster for this system. Yeah. Ex- like he has the home run hitting capability Big that Juju time. does not have. So like he would have fit more with what they would have liked. I think the chiefs would have loved, like I said, this at the beginning of the year. If the chiefs would love if, if, if McColl would have played good enough to earn a second contract with oh, the team. Yeah. He just, he didn't do it. And part of his injuries, but still, yeah, of course. And they were kind of hoping for that, like, two years ago to be like, okay, we can kind of extend you. We can do what we do with Tyreek Hill. And then whenever you do get a big number, we'll be like, hey, man, like, we got what we got out of that. And we are not willing to pay more for that. I probably should talk about Tom Brady. I'm probably going to talk about Tom Brady at some point in the night. But on the other side, a Kansas City Royal calls it a day in the career of baseball. Lorenzo Cain. No longer a Major League Baseball player, where he ranks all-time for the Royals and what we have to say about him as he announces today that he is retiring from MLB for the rest of his career. I'm Dusty Likens. That's Chris Sunacero. This is After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.
How many years do you give the XFL? That's tough, man. It's bad. It's not good. It's not good. I, I That's watched very a, kind of you for someone who's normally very <laughs> blunt with uh, letting people know if it's good or bad. It's not good. No. I watched it a little bit Sunday. I've, I haven't watched very much of it. My girlfriend was like, what is this? When I turned it on. And I was like, I mean, it's bad football. Because I will give anything and anyone a chance. Seriously. Like anything and anyone. I'll be like, you know what? You, you want to? All right. And and I'll I'll be pretty quick to be like, hey, you know what? This just ain't for me, man. And when I saw that on a baseball stadium with tracks through the field in Nevada, and yeah. there's a college <laughs> stadium right down the road that no one's playing at, and they're showing these You're quarterbacks, the fifty-one stadium. It's <laughs> bad. Oh. And then you got like people out here be like, see, told you, Josh Gordon still had it. No, you know what Josh Gordon He's playing is? Playing a bunch of nobody. Yeah, Josh Gordon's that one dude that can still sling a baseball bat that plays in a slow pitch softball league. Yeah. That every time he comes up, it's a moonshot. Yeah, like that's a, like he he is playing against mostly guys who will never play in the NFL. I knew the XFL was a bad product when they said Paxton Lynch got benched. Yeah, yeah. When in the first game, uh, I'll tell you this: when Paxton Lynch got benched, I was like, I was like, boy, I'm so glad the Chiefs dodged that bullet. I feel like that's still like a bluff the Chiefs made for Denver. I think it. I think it is too. But I. I also understand that it could very well have been the actual move. Yeah. So, oh man, like uh, man, that's a. If they even had the slightest intention to draft him, I'm so glad Denver traded up to get him. And they moved quick as soon they as they did. thought the Chiefs were going to take him. Oh yeah, and it same thing happened with the with the Browns when yeah. in 2014 when Manziel was sitting there and they and they the the Browns very quickly traded with the Eagles mm-hmm. to get ahead of the Chiefs and go get him. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably a smokescreen. Where does uh, where does Lorenzo Cain rank in your all time Royals? I mean, just like we're talking about, like best all time, or nope, like just my like favorites. fan favorites. Um, he's top five, okay, for sure, top five. Like I was a big fan of him the minute they traded for him in the Grinky deal. I was like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. this this is the kind of guy you need in center field. He's perfect for that role. I was like, I was like, hopefully he develops his bat because that was the big thing about him. He he couldn't hit when he first came to the team, but I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised. When his bat started to come around. I think Lorenzo Cain is a high fan favorite because he never really did anything that frustrated people. Except for those groin pulls. Like, those that's groin injuries was he was getting. Up. That's it. Because, like, it's kind of ironic that the year that they make the bases bigger is the year that Lorenzo Cain is no longer in the league because Lorenzo Cain would always, like, have, like, plantar fasciitis where he'd, like, plant on the bases. He's trying to get that one stretch. And it was, like, back-to-back years, he pull the hamstring and you're just like, man, could you imagine like what a full season with Lorenzo Kane would be like? And then you got one, two, three straight seasons of a Lorenzo Kane style of offense. And I, I thought Vern, who is the 610 sports Royals insider, one of the greatest people in, in, in radio history to do what they do. And you can hear Vern's hot stove every Thursday at six o'clock, but Vern always described Lorenzo Cain as the straw that stirs the drink for the Royals. And I think that is like the greatest thing. Like if Lorenzo Cain put that on his headstone at the end of this, of his life, then 
that would be okay. Because that's exactly what Lorenzo Cain was. Like, Lorenzo Cain made that catch late in, in a game when the Royals needed it. Like, I remember I was just watching this the other day. I think it was, like, game three against the Angels in the Divisional Series where he makes, like, a diving catch, and he, like, jumps up and, like, pumps his fist in center field, and you're just like, see, like, when that guy shows raw emotion, everybody in the team is infected by it. Like, it's immediate. It's, it's, it's almost, like, zombie-ish, whatever that would happen. Plus, like, Lorenzo Cain in that 2014 World Series run was the M- MVP of the ALCS. Like, he was unmatchable. Finished top five in the MVP that season. Lorenzo Cain, um, yeah, he's just that guy. He was he was really fun to watch. Like, I think it's tough when you sit back and you're like, okay, as a fan point, like, where does your, you know, where do you sit when it comes to, you know, players all time. And Lorenzo Cain, man, was just electric. He was fun. His relationship with Salvador Perez was, I mean, just insane. Uh, I remember when he came back and hit a home run for Milwaukee and the entire stadium stood up and gave him a standing ovation. I was like, you guys, you guys realize that's the guy that, uh, that's uh, playing for the other team, but he was liked that much. And I think when you look at that core that the Royals had that won that World Series and went back-to-back. The Moustakas, Hosmer, Kane, Perez, you know, I'll throw Duffy in there, guys like that, Ventura. I think when you look at it, I think if you took a poll of 100 people and said out of those guys, who is your favorite, it would be very close between Hosmer and Kane. I think think Salvi, too. Salvi would would be up there. Salvi's the personality in the face, and I think he's probably number one. But I think a lot of people would remember, obviously, Hosmer was kind of like the – pretty boy guy like you know it was always you know something with him at first base with a great play and, and had some clutch hits but man Lorenzo Kane ALCS uh MVP uh you know like Vern said the straw that that stirred the drink and yeah you can call me you're a fanboy when it comes to Lorenzo Kane because I loved him I mean he was, a, he was a great baseball player to watch just because he could steal a base and may not have been Terrence score fast, but like if Lorenzo K knew he was stealing a base, you were not throwing him out because he was like a gazelle out there and just his strides, his speed, his knowledge of the game. And then what was the story? He started playing as like a senior in high school. Yeah. He was just <laughs> a basically just player. a pure athlete yeah. and just started playing in high school. And all of a sudden just happened to get it, get really good at it really quickly. And next thing you know, a few years later, he's in the majors. Yeah. He was just, yeah. Somebody from the 75 says Sal, George, Frank, Lorenzo. I'm, I, I don't mind seeing that list at all. And that's probably from somebody who's not in our age demographic where like, like Lorenzo Kane is one of my dad's favorite players. And my dad is in his sixties and he's, he was there in 85. He was there in 15 and, and Lorenzo Kane was just one of those guys. He's a real man's baseball player, I guess is like kind of the way that he's five tool. Right, maybe not completely. Five yeah, he was like a Ford tool. He needed he needed more power. power. He needed more power. Oh, man, yeah. when he hit that home run and leaned <laughs> yeah. back, it was sexy. Man, that lean back was still cold as ice. I love. I, he was he was very humble, but he would let some of the cockiness leak out Ugh. every now and then. It was always fun when he knew he got you, man. Yeah. It was like sorry, man. Like, Kane was just, so much him. fun to watch. Just like he was probably the most athletic player I've oh, ever yeah. seen play for the Royals. Like the most because we didn't player. see Bo. No, so that's not no. fair he for us to be like you could because I just he's before our time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want somebody to be like, "Are you kidding me, Bo Jackson?" Uh, Bo like, Jackson. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the year and a half time. Bo Jackson was an athlete. Yeah, I didn't see that. I, but yeah, Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, I thought that's speaking of Bo. We're gonna break, but I remember watching that Bo knows, and I think it's Mike Greenberg. 
He's like, the thing about Bo Jackson is Bo Jackson in history is looked at as one of the greatest athletes. But Bo Jackson was just like a flash in a pan for like a really quick second and then was gone. Yeah. And it's just like, that sucks. He, like, only, pl- he only played like, what, four seasons in the NFL? And then and then he had that hip, in- hip injury and he was yeah. done. Like, it's sad. But he was incredibly athletic. And they said, for the record, I'm 30 years old, LOL. So, I, that's weird. How can George be a favorite? Then? Maybe they just like George Brett. Maybe they just watched. They, maybe they got the old VHS tapes of all the old games. That's what I always find funny. Day. Like in the Little League World Series, they're like favorite athlete Barry Bonds. I'm like, what? You're 12. How do you? What? Yeah, you weren't even alive <laughs> yeah. when he was out here juicing. Which maybe that makes me a Richard because then I'm like, music has no age. So maybe you went back and yeah, saw George. Yeah, so maybe you whatever. saw maybe you saw Barry Bonds out here smashing home runs. I did see Barry Bonds live once, and it was quite impressive. I've never saw him in person. Though. Really? I watch him on TV. I actually lot. got to see him and sit in the uh, dugout suites on the third base side. Oh, I saw I saw cool. all his veins in his arm from like 50 yards away. Oh, I was yeah, like, saw that big biggest, head. biggest man I've ever seen. Big ass head. Yep. Steroided out, but man, greatest <laughs> hitter of all time. He's great. He's great. Ugh, I love that man. Dusty Leggett's Chris Unicero on the other side. It's seven o'clock here on After Hours, and I want to talk a little Frank Clark and legacy on the other side of this. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.